0: We're, we're in real time, talking about real stuff. Before we get started, I want to talk about some real news that broke this week on in the NFL.
1: Rutledge, tell me.
0: So as it says on NFL.com, uh, which was posted around four o'clock this afternoon, proved a possible playoff instead of being 14 teams having six teams, games cannot be played due to COVID-19. Um, in the event the league is forced to take such action, it will not reseed teams, according to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. The proposed scenario would only become reality if the league cannot complete first complete the meaningful games rescheduled in a possible week 18. Essentially, playoff expansion will only come about as a third option in the event the league cannot complete the 256 game seasons within 17 weeks or within 18 weeks the 18th week added solely to complete the 256 games prior to postseason play connor what do you think of all that going down you know it's a march to
1: 256 uh i think that we can i think that the nfl is uh definitely really good at collecting money and if the NFL. nfl needs to add a couple more playoff teams then they should do that to make sure that they have their money so that that's what I think about that, Relage. Uh, any, any thoughts, anything you want to share about what we're going to be talking about tonight as it comes to the NFL and maybe some college football?
0: So actually, um, thanks, Connor. The reason I really wanted to break that headline is because we've got a lot of NFL stuff talking about tonight. We're going to go into State of the Shield, and we're going to spend time talking about um, the NFC South because Saints-Bucks was a big headline this weekend. Of course, for all of you not knowing, it's now Tuesday night here on Twitch at 8 o'clock. We are now live on tuesdays we're also on youtube friend stream sports we're also out there on podcasts but we've moved to tuesdays so welcome to tuesdays as well as the nfc as well as the nfc south we're going to talk about the playoff bubble which is why i wanted to break that headline and we're going to talk about in college football, very consistent number three and then we're going to talk about kind of what like the reason college football is so unbalanced so um, we're playing Panthers, Falcons, or as we like to call them, is own Dem pounding cats of the Panthers. And we're in Charlotte, North Carolina with Connor as the Falcons. And I think we look like high school teams tonight. Connor, what do you think?
1: Most assuredly, and I think we did that on purpose to be high school teams. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all about it, Rutledge. And we're in Charlotte, at least virtually speaking, and we're ready to the ball here. And I, I'm feeling good that I'm going to actually beat you tonight.
0: I know that last time we played this game, Connor watched Julio Jones go everywhere. A bunch of our viewers called me out on not even just a stop using the slant, but um, Julio Jones catches everything, so I'm ready for you, Connor, as Christian McCaffrey takes a tackle in the backfield. So let's dive into the NFC South. So um, Saints-Bucks played this weekend, and we're going to break that down in a minute, but we wanted to take as we go... Um, division by division, and break down the division. We're going to go from the bottom to the top. So, who do you got at the very bottom of the NFC South, Connor?
1: I have Atlanta Falcons here. Uh, you know, you know, it, it's been a real heartbreaker this year to be a Falcons. Fan. Uh, they've lost a ton of close games. Four of their six losses have come by one touchdown or less. The offense, though, you know, still pretty capable. Uh, you know, but their, uh, you know, but their their running game has been very suspect, so Matt Ryan's been doing a lot through the air, and their defense has given up about a little under 28 points a game, so uh, Atlanta Falcons are not very good, and, you know, I think that they, uh, they could turn it around, but, you know, once you lose enough games throughout the course of a season, you really start to see the wheels come off. So what say you, Rutledge?
0: Oh, well, first of all, I'd like to say welcome to our viewer. Uh, back again this week, Stephen Kicklider, he says that the, the high school team could beat the Falcons, but he's back with us again. You know, Connor, he participated a lot last week. Um, I want to say that the new leadership for the Falcons is working, though. They're currently 3-1 and one in the last four. Um, they've got a really sort of tough, and as we go through these teams, we're going to talk about what we think their eventual record is going to be. So I'll give mine, then Connor will give his. They've got a really kind of tough run going for them. Um, They have their schedule is Saints and Bucks twice. They have the Chiefs. They play the Chargers, and the only thing I think exciting for the Falcons this year is when they play the Chargers, that's what we'll learn who Justin Herbert really is. But Todd Gurley only has 584 for the year, 3.7 yards of carry. they need to do a better job of scoring because they don't complete passing TDs and getting some defense going. But I wouldn't blow up this team. Um, I think they might beat the Bucks, though. I'm going to make that bold prediction early. I think the Falcons beat the Bucks at least once this year. So with that, that, take's- that take is hot. His, is hot Lana hot, Connor? That's how hot that take is. Um, mm-hmm. So with that, I'm going to say I have the Falcons with their schedule, with the possibility of beating the Bucks, but they can't seem to score, and Todd Gurley is doing nothing. I'm going to put them finishing six and ten. What do you have them finishing at?
1: You know, I, I don't see, I don't see them getting three more wins. Uh, you know, to be perfectly honest, throughout, throughout the end of this season, I think you know the Chargers game is a very winnable game. The oh, as per usual, Matt Ryan throw, throwing a pick.
0: Connor coming that. in with the early pick, early.
1: Early pick for early time. Uh, Chargers is a very very winnable game. Don't think they'll pick up any wins off the box. Uh, got the Saints. You know the thing about it is the Panthers the end of their uh, end of their season, especially if we go to 16, 16 team playoff. Panthers or the Falcons are going to be playing a lot more teams that are going to be playing for a lot more than just pride. And the Falcons are going to be playing for. Uh, for pride and for that high draft pick slot. So I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing a five and 11 finish for the Panthers, not six and ten.
0: Okay Yeah so, so five and eleven for the Falcons you're saying. Correct. as the Panthers pardon scored now, on you.
1: Par- pardon me. five and eleven for the Falcons.
0: for the Falcons. But as we have that touchdown by Rutledge early based off the Connor pick, we are going to go into um, Demcats that just keep on pounding for the Carolina Panthers. Connor, I have kind of a heated take here. So I want you to start because I feel like you're going to be nicer to the Panthers than I am.
1: You know, new coach, new quarterback, only one real notable win. Their only notable win was over the surprising Cardinals. They have, you know, they've got some good players, but even with Christian McCaffrey, uh, they are ranked 17th in terms of rushing yards per game. I understand that Christian McCaffrey is more than just, you know, your traditional running back and does a lot out of the backfield, but you know, the the Panthers, uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is he's, he's not gonna he's not gonna get you to the promised land. So I think that the Panthers are uh, not they're just they don't have a lot of great personnel. Uh, they do have more winnable games coming up uh, which i'll let i'll let you rutledge share a little bit before we talk about final records and things like that but you know they uh I, I, i don't have a good sense on on the panthers even if they are to pick up a few more wins uh just due to their lack of super real quality personnel
0: well i'm gonna say i don't understand the world's infatuation with trying to make teddy bridgewater work I never understood it when he was at Louisville and they beat Florida in that bowl game. I never understood it when, um, I never understood it when he was at Minnesota and they tried to draft him. And I still don't understand it now. Although he's 79% accurate, 71% accurate for the year, he's thrown 11 TDs and six picks, so it's just very pedestrian. Um, You know, they have Christian McCaffrey, who in my opinion should have been a Heisman, true Heisman contender if Stanford was better when he was in college. They hung him by the cheats. Um they beat the Cardinals, but Cardinals are overrated. Um so overall, the whole entirety of the Panthers they're they're just they're not as good as the internet wants to make them sound. They're only forty four percent for getting first downs. Um, the only thing I think the Panthers have going for them is if they beat the Saints late because they play the Saints on the third of January, which right now is the last week of the season. Um so, I think that's about the only highlight for them uh i see them in their next seven games going possibly on that maybe four for three because of schedule because they play a lot of the nfc least um they might i could once again go with they could possibly beat the bucks but i have them finishing at six and ten or no i think that's seven and nine what do you have for the panthers
1: uh you know i I do agree with you on their schedule that that's the kindest thing to the Panthers as they finish out Lions Vikings Broncos and Washington and then they as you aptly pointed out Rutledge finishing the season with the Saints uh, as you know Saints could very well have their position and I'm not ready to throw another pick here uh, Saints Saints could very well have their position wrapped up by uh, by week 17 so you're resting starters and uh, I, I see six and ten for the for the panthers for sure
0: okay so we're we're split on a game here which game so if i have i have seven and nine you have six and ten but still below 500 all right yep, yep. so now One we have off. our number two team in the NFC south and who are we saying is the number two team in the south right now connor
1: you know i mean you gotta say the bucks are the number two team in the south they just they just lost to the Saints for the second time you know and it's really interesting to just try to understand what this team will be uh you know especially now that AB is not just going to be have his first week but continue to be into the mix and th- there's going to be more to overcome for the Bucs so there seems to be more questions than answers as it comes to the Bucs this is as I mentioned the second time that they lost to the Saints and have the Saints uh score a lot of points you know, the, the talking heads would always talk about how good the Bucks defense is. Uh, they've been struggling, uh, you know, and uh, I, I think that there are just a lot of questions as it comes to the Bucs uh, personnel-wise. Now, out of their remaining games, they have three road games, and two of those are in domes. Tom Brady will not play a cold-weather game until maybe a late season, you know, a playoff game at say a Seattle or even a Green Bay, depending on how the schedules work out. So uh, there is that to consider. But Tampa Bay definitely laid an egg this weekend. What do you think, Rutledge?
0: Um, with Tampa Bay, I'm going to say I'm going to say abandon ship. There is holes in the pirate ship in Tampa. You need to if you bought into Tampa Bay this year, you need to walk away. I think I called them a bust earlier this season when we did our bus Must Trust" at the beginning of our show. Um, but Tom Brady, when the headlines all about your team say Tom Brady, worst game of his career, uh, there's something going on. He's not meshing well into their system. They keep trying to build this roster. I watch a lot of Bucks film, and you keep seeing Tom Brady make throws that would have gone in hands and gone for touchdowns in New England, and he just keeps playing like he's New England. So um, they have a very inconsistent offense. You know, they dominated the Packers, but they struggled against the Giants. Um, their defense has only had thirteen sacks for the entire year, and I really think Tom Brady's still looking for Julian Edelman. Yeah, they'll add A B, but um, Tom Brady's not a get a really fast receiver, get them to run long routes and throw bombs like even Jameis Winston when he could see, you know, when he was seeing his way to touchdowns instead of interceptions was. So um, except
1: except when Tom Brady had Randy Moss. That was yeah, except for
0: when played. Tom Brady had Randy <laughs> Moss. There was that one time he had Randy Moss, and that worked. And then outside of that, um, Connor is lighting it up and is yet to throw to Julio Jones, I think, today.
1: Oh, he just had a catch.
0: Okay, he just had a catch. The score- uh, make the playoffs, but... I think the storyline about how it's going to come more and more that this team... Bill.com yeah. on an article he read, wrote about the Saints-Bucks game, uh, this ballyhooed Sunday nighter was a one-sided walchens. They are incredible. Um, I wish they had more sacks, but they got a lot going on. Connor, what do you think of the Saints with your yeah, touchdown? You know,
1: oh yeah, you know you don't have to get you don't have to get sacks to have your D line be impactful in the game, right? Uh, uh, in, in terms of their game against Tampa Bay, just when you thought that the New Orleans Saints were kind of, you know, just maybe just going to be another regular season wonder. I'm going to quote another, not article, but an interview from the movie Dumb and Dumber. You go do something like that and totally redeem yourself. Michael Thomas was back. It was clicking. It was rocking. It was rolling. Very excited for the Saints as they finish out uh, their season now with Michael Thomas. It's going to make the NFC South very interesting uh, and, and you know, it's going to give Tom Brady in Tampa. Uh, I think it's going to give him some real trouble to not just be running roughshod over the competition at the end of the year because he's so used to playing in the weak division of the AFC East. So, with that Rutledge, what do you think the what do you think the final record for Tampa Bay is going to be?
0: Before I unveil the final record, I want everyone to circle on their calendars Sunday, uh, the twentieth uh, of December, because Kansas City is going to play. Um, they're going to play the Saints, and I think that could be a possible Super Bowl preview for everybody out there. But I have the Saints going seven and one. Their one loss is the Chiefs. They finish the year at thirteen and three.
1: There you go. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to say there's probably one more loss in there than than you think, Rutledge. Uh, so twelve and four for me for the Saints.
0: All right, That's
1: still very solid.
0: And that is. Everything that we have lined up for the NFC South, but now we're going to go into our second quarter of State of the Shield, which is we're going to talk about playoff bubbles. So we're going to go, uh, we're going to go conference by conference. Connor, take us through the three teams we need to break down in the AFC.
1: In uh, the AFC, uh, and, and we've got six, seed six, seven, and eight, right? We got the Raiders, the Dolphins, and the Browns. And uh, you know, in terms, in terms of the Raiders, and I'll just share some of my thoughts on these three team's religion and you can go uh in terms of the raiders you know it's it was john gruden has done a really nice job this roster isn't great they've got they've got some good players but just as i mentioned a couple weeks ago the coach is the real ceo of of the team right it's not the quarterback john gruden has really done a nice job with this raiders team and when you look at the remaining teams i'm looking at young quarterbacks And the Raiders play Drew Locke twice. They play Sam Darnold, Tua, and then one more game against Herbert. I think that the Raiders can get into the playoffs, even with a 17 playoff, let alone an 18 playoff. Next up, you got the Dolphins. Dolphins have won four in a row. Uh, They have a chance to make that seven in a row with the Chargers, Broncos, and the Jets coming up. Uh, You know, and as I as I tend to say, I always see the Dolphins as a team playing hard. I think they're going to do pretty well in the Browns. Uh, I'm going to keep on my Browns take. Baker Mayfield is pressing into quicksand. Uh, as the spotlight gets bigger, that's just not voting well for the end of the season. Baker pressing. No OBJ. Browns will stay on the outside looking at out. So what do you think about some of these AFC teams, Rutledge?
0: Oh, in Vegas, we're going to say which I think you and I one day should go to a Raiders game in Vegas, Connor. That could be fun. Um, I'm going to say just win, baby. Um, They just need to just win. I think their schedule is so manageable with the way that John Gruden has Derek Carr looking like a high-level performer. They could win out for the rest of the year and gain a little bit of some playoff seating. Um, They need to get better at scoring, though. Their scoring differential for points for and against is their negative 11. So they need to start lighting it up. But I have them 100% getting into the playoffs. Uh, Miami, like you said, the win streak, the four games, two is growing, getting comfortable. Uh, I know you say this team plays hard. I call them the Island of Misfit Toys. We love them all. We all love the Island of Misfit Toys. But I see Miami getting in the playoff, and then Cleveland. I, uh, I'm not a Browns fan, but I am Cleveland. I am begging you to make this work. You, you need to learn how to score, and you need to learn how to win on the road. But your schedule that you have is such a gift. The only thing that Cleveland has hard for the rest of the years it's not winnable is the Ravens. But I'm like I'm just saying on our show, Cleveland don't do this to us. You know, I'm not I'm not going to go so bold as to place money on it, but I'm watching you. You need to get this the, uh they just need to get it together, Connor. They have everything in the right place. I know no OBJ, but just this is the year that they have to make it work. I ugh, I'm just kind of disgusted. A little bothered by the Browns.
1: That, you know do you think they're in or out of the playoffs
0: Ugh. um i'm i hate to say it and i didn't even write it in my pre-show notes but i knew you're gonna ask me i think i'm gonna take them squeaking it in
1: whoa is, is this with a 17 playoff or an eight so are they gonna be the seven seed or they do they have to squeak in on an eight seed
0: I think they can, uh, with the other two teams going in, it's going to be like a, they're going to lose to a tiebreaker contingency, but they'll be an eight seed. So if we have an eight seed playoff, there in the playoff. With seven, they sit out. But let's move on to the NFC. Let's move on to talking about the NFC and our two minute warning.
1: Let's do some NFC. I just, let's, I, oh, third pick of the half. There we go. Little two minute warning. NFC, let's do it. Cardinals, Rams, and Bears. Cardinals, 6 seed. Rams, 7 seed. Bears, 8 seed. Uh, I think, you know, the Cardinals, uh, they did just have that tough loss into a second start. uh, You know, but a lot of fun. Good game. Uh, Their schedule. Here's the hard part about the Cardinals. Uh, Although the teams on their schedule uh, might not have the best record, they are playing really hard. Uh, here's the theme tonight, right? you got teams that play hard that just, you know, can, can sneak a win here and there, right? I think the Patriots, Giants, and the Eagles, yet again, not the best total record. But, man, those are not easy outs. Uh, it's a fringe playoff in team, but more of a 7-8 seed than, uh, than the 6th seed that they're currently in. Uh, you know, I think for the Rams, yet again, at number 7, uh, not too many gimmies outside of the Jets, Right, we're going to be talking about Seattle versus L.A. here shortly. Uh, the only thing seeming to keep them into the playoffs will be poor play by the poor teams beneath them. I'm going to keep. Uh, I'm going to have the Rams out. I am now officially bailing on the L.A. Rams. Uh, but one of the teams that will get in over the Rams, that is underneath currently underneath the Rams, will not be the Chicago Bears at number eight. Uh, uh, I watched that game. You know, really from start to finish on Sunday. I had a lot of faith in Matt Nagy. Man, Nick Foles just is not the guy to take them to the promised land. That's for sure. They got too many problems. Bears outside. What about you, Rutledge? Close us out here in this half.
0: Um, I definitely, so for Cardinals, I'm going to say my take on the Cardinals. And I don't know if this is the Seahawks fan in me or not, but I don't like the Cardinals. Um, yeah, they can score points and they have the second lowest points allowed in the NFC, but they lose close games. You know, I I think we have a bad thing of a media world to like teams that look cool, but they don't win. So the Cardinals have turned into like the new Houston Texans of the back half of the season where we just pay attention. Um, I think they have no real pressure. I still don't see them making it. I think they're out of the playoffs. Um, I know you picked three NFC West teams for contention in the playoffs. Um, The Rams are kind of an enigma. The Rams are undefeated at home, but they can't really win on the road. Um, they Their next upcoming schedule is tough. They play the C- Seahawks and Cardinals twice plus the Bucks. so I think they have to get that together and not just win in California. Um, I think it's a coin flip for the Rams if they're on their way in or way out. I think I take in if I have the Cardinals going out. The Bears, I know you said you watched that game, but I think you're going to appreciate this is that Um, I read on Twitter from Chicago, the Bears fan base is called Matt Nagy, uh, is Adam Gase in a Gucci belt. Um, (laughs) Nice. They have a Super Bowl caliber defense, but they have the ultimate dude you call to show up at the party late, and that would be um, Nick Foles. You know, he's going to come to the party. That doesn't mean you want him at the party, but he's going to be there. Um he's not the one you wanted to be there but he's going to be there and I see them uh even though they have this amazing defense that stops everybody I see them offensively playing their way out of the playoffs so I don't really have these bubble teams doing much
1: Wow so a lot of uh a lot of teams jumping out over the a lot of teams jumping out over uh your NFC playoff teams here
0: Exactly
1: so as we as we finish out the half here, uh, any any thoughts? I know this was a ha- a previous halftime hot take that we had. Any thoughts in terms of uh, who is going to end up being the number one overall overall pick? Uh, and then not in terms of college, but who will be selecting the number one overall
0: pick? I'm still going with the Jets. Even though we've talked to all these teams, I still think the Jets have are. I don't even know i guess they're still um shut down for the year but the jets are very there's the fourth pick We we'll just keep pounding baby
1: so you're going jets all right good good to know i you know i i'm starting to come to the jets as well in my in my selection here so we have finished the first half maddie ice is ice cold for those uh for those watching or listening carolina is up 14 to 7 and just as a reminder, we are on YouTube, we are on Twitch, and we are on uh, podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. So we really enjoy and we appreciate all of our viewers and our watchers out there. Invite your friends. And if, uh, if you know us personally, send us a message, uh, some sports topics that you want us to talk about. We would love to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely we would love to do that. And also if you're watching this live tonight, I know we lost our video feed for a little bit there, so respond back if you got our video feedback. If you're still out there watching this, we had some technical difficulties during that same thing. But we're back and we're live and we're paused and we're ready to go into halftime hot takes now. Halftime hot takes. Basically we just recorded some great podcast content, Connor. It's gonna be fantastic.
1: Hey, that that's why that's why they pay us the big bucks. Right? That's why we, they pay us
0: the big bucks to be on anchor.
1: Yes. So Rutledge, so, uh, what's our halftime hot take for tonight?
0: Our halftime hot take for tonight is who is going to win the AFC South. So who do you have, and why?
1: Uh, AFC or the NFC, or NFC?
0: NFC South. I'm sorry.
1: You know, uh, I, you know, for who's going to win the NFC South? But I, I'm going Saints. Right? They've already lost the Bucks twice, or they've already beat the Bucks twice. My apologies. Uh, so the Bucks not only have to finish the season one game ahead of the Saints, uh, but you know I, I just I, I don't I don't see the Bucks doing it. I see that at best the Bucks can tie the Saints' record, uh, which obviously the Saints will have the tiebreaker. But um, Saints will win the NFC South. What about you?
0: I am totally taking the Saints. I think they're going to run away with the show. I think they are on a. a uh... A non-stop train as they're going to take the division. Um, Michael Thomas is back. Um, Alvin Kamara proves his value. Drew Brees is really sort of making that ride off into the sunset play. Um, I think Brady's still going to keep trying to play like he's in New England and struggle. Uh, As I said before, the Madden theory does not build real-life teams. So I have the Saints.
1: And there we go. That's our halftime hot takes. Take that to the bank.
0: And we're going back in there, and we're going to get into our second half to talk about our favorite topic being college football. So, Connor and I both agree on the top three in the nation. So, Connor, what is our official Friends Screen Sports top three for college football right now after Clemson lost to Notre Dame?
1: As it stands, we both have Alabama number one, Ohio State number two, and Notre Dame number three but there's something missing with that, Rutledge. And that's
0: that's definitely number four. So um, I think, as we sort of discussed, Bama and Ohio State have been running the table. Even though we were all poo-pooing on Big Ten being in there, I have not seen enough eye-test teams that I think could beat Ohio State if ranked enough. And then, of course, number three is Notre Dame. Um, Connor, let's get yours. Who is your number four?
1: You know, it pains me to say it, Rutledge, but I I gotta say Florida, right? Uh, I I don't call me, call me the, you know, really mad, upset Florida State fan that is still a little salty at Jimbo Fisher. I don't think, I don't think AM's for real. Uh, You know, I I don't, I don't see any of these teams on the, on the outside looking in, um, being for real. I think Clemson. The fact, I did call it by the way, and Clemson were only slipped to four. Uh, you know, I, I, don't think that, I don't think that that, I don't think that that should be the case. I think as it stands right now, Florida Gator should be number four. Uh, they overcame, here's, here's an interesting stat. They gave Kirby Smart his first loss as a head coach in which a Kirby Smart coach team scored a defensive touchdown, right? So you always talk about turnovers. Uh, not only did Georgia have a couple turnovers, or I guess, I guess just that one, but scored a touchdown immediately off of that. Uh, they they went back and, and they showed their they showed their superior personnel to Georgia. They uh, they worked a very suspect defense, which was supposed to be good, came out being very suspect. And you know the we know that Dan Mullen can put together a game plan. But not only did he do that, but he just showed that he's got better players than Georgia, which they're as good as everyone's saying that they are, is uh, definitely a real feat. So Florida Gators, number four. What about you, Rutledge? What do you think?
0: I'm also going to take the Florida Gators at number four, and I will sort of give it to them why. I think that loss they had earlier to Texas A&M proved um, it's that college playoff committee loss at the right time. They definitely lost when they needed to lose to just sort of get it over with and take off into the season. I think losing when Clemson did, obviously um, you have Trevor Lawrence's got coronavirus, so it's not going to be held against them. But I think that we're going to sort of ignore that Florida is a one loss team. I think Texas A&M, the reason they're ranked there, I'm with you, I don't believe in them. I think they're ranked just to boost up Florida so this way people can believe in Florida more often. Um, They made Georgia look lost. One of the trainers at the gym I go to, he's a huge Georgia fan, and he's been questioning Kirby Smart and his coaching staff, and a lot of people are sort of rumbling about that with that big loss. Um, I think, though, for Florida to make it, they're going to have to run the table. I think Mullen's going to have to dial it up and keep scoring lots of points. Um, I will say that I, out there in the world, called Florida's offense a little boring, but, uh, to which I stand corrected after 44 points against Georgia, so I apologize. But I really think Florida has to look impressive to make it because they're going to still have to play Bama in the championship game, and um, we have to see what Clemson and Notre Dame look like down the stretch. So I definitely have Florida all the way. Fun
1: fact, before I ask you uh, a quick hypothetical. Matt Ryan in this video game's only incompletions have been interceptions. So that's a fun fact.
0: That is a fun Uh, fact. You are playing in rare form. Look at him go.
1: So I would say this in terms of Florida's offense, and it's why I I felt so strongly about thinking that the Gators were number four. This is going to sound odd. This might sound odd, but they're... The fact that they kept on running the same play over and over and over against Georgia, I did find a little boring, uh, but it worked. So you keep doing it. You keep doing the things that work. They kept on taking that running back and just wheeling him out and really trying to, you know, really trying to make those Georgia linebackers work. But we do know Dan Mullen can coach and can coach really well, but uh, if one play works, Why do you worry about running something else? But uh, Rutledge, let me ask you this. If Florida gets to the SEC Championship game, which is kind of what we're thinking, and they lose to Alabama, do they, would they still be a number four type team? Or would we look to the, uh, you know, whatever the turnout of the ACC Championship game be uh, in terms of the final playoff team?
0: I really think that's gonna be a result of score. So with that situation, I also think Florida going in against Bama is going to be like a 14-point underdog. Florida's not going to run into Bama and be like, it's not going to be a three-point game like when Georgia played Bama in the SEC a couple years ago. Um, I really see it that it's going to be, even with Florida at number four, it's going to be whoever... And this is assuming Ohio State remains undefeated and wins the Big Ten. It's going to be whoever keeps it close against um, Alabama or if Clemson returns to the way they were. Now, if Clemson's is still falling off because Trevor Lawrence doesn't play defense, then I really think that opens up the picture to everything. Um, But I think that whoever goes has to at least make it into the college football, into their conference championship.
1: So, Connor, who so do you saying, have? You're saying if, uh, oh, you're saying if Trevor Lawrence and Clemson, at presumably getting to the ACC championship game, oh, if they if he doesn't look good and Clemson doesn't look good, they should still stay out. That's what you're saying.
0: If no, if he does get there, but and they lose the ACC championship game, Clemson should stay out. If Clemson wants to, runs the table from here on out and wins everything, they should be in. But if they look like they're falling apart, then they should go out. Oh no! Picking the end zone by Connor.
1: It's a well-timed interception.
0: Well, as usual, going into the fourth quarter, it gets interesting.
1: So yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that I think that Clemson, uh, they they've got to run the table. A two-loss Clemson team just won't get won't get into the playoffs. Uh, gotta give it to Notre Dame. Notre Dame, like, I know everyone's talking about how Clemson, uh, you know, didn't have Trevor Lawrence and a few defensive players. Notre Dame left about three touchdowns out on the field. Uh, there, was a, there was a few times that Notre Dame was driving in the red zone and just couldn't convert. And I am sure when they've turned the film on that they were kicking themselves, kind of saying, good grief, what is going on around here? So uh, definitely, you know, I, everyone's everyone's going to talk about Clemson, but – I think Notre Dame played a really strong game, and I think, assuming that Notre Dame plays Clemson again, the only other opportunity for that not to be the case would probably be a Miami. Uh, I think Clemson's still gonna give, or Notre Dame's still gonna give Clemson everything that they want, and then some. So, uh, it could be interesting, but as you and I are both in agreement right now, the number four team in the land is the Florida Gators, and hopefully they break our kiss of death.
0: Oh no, who knows? Now that we've given them the number four seed, it could be the kiss of death for the end of the Florida Gators. We'll see because if Florida can't go there, I just don't feel like Texas A&M should. Mm -mm. So, still a wild college football season. Still a wild playoff.
1: So, let's, uh, Rutledge, let's, let's, uh, get into the fourth quarter here. Speaking of playoffs, there's more than two conferences in the country, unfortunately. So, uh, Let's let's talk about kind of our big overarching broad topic here that, that we want to bring up. And that's how unbalanced everything feels in in the conferences, right? The fact that Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama feel a whole lot closer than say Clemson and Georgia Tech or uh Ohio State and Iowa or Alabama and We'll say Missouri. I don't want to go down to Vanderbilt, but a Missouri. Uh, any any thoughts? Just how unbalanced everything is feeling this year in college football?
0: Twelve. I count right now before I halfway through conferences at least twelve teams with one win or less in college football. And I just want to sort of call out. And of course, we could say, well, it's it's academics, right? You know, there's an admissions problem. But I think it all comes down to. Our favorite topic of it's three main things in college football. It's it it is it is number one. It is admissions. Do you get the right players to go into your school? It's recruiting, and then it is definitely tenure. Are you selling the right message? Um, I want to sort of call attention to not. Of course, you think the bat the low performing programs are down, like UTEP. Um, not UTEP, but. Uh, Old Dominion has only played one game and they've lost. Florida International is 0-3, right? Um, University of Massachusetts is 0-3. But let's talk about Penn State is uh, winless. And let's talk about how Michigan is down. And let's talk about how Vanderbilt has only won one game. And I think it just really comes into that the state of recruiting is just so unbalanced. So, Connor, you played football. What's it like to go out and be recruited to be a college athlete?
1: (sighs) Well, first off, great interception for pick number five, Matt <laughs> Ryan. Good grief! Uh, you know, being recruiting was it was pretty fun. Uh, I, me playing Division three, obviously a little bit different than the Division one piece. Uh, but I'll, I'll share something uh, from my high school days when I was playing center. I went with our quarterback, who was actually getting recruited by uh, Ole Miss at the time, and. We went to the Ole Miss camp and you know, I did my thing on the O line and, you know, I was a five foot 10 offensive lineman. So, you know, the best I could get is some guy patting me on the back of the head saying, Oh, great effort. You know, I want to play in football at Ole Miss. Uh, but I, when you go to those camps, the differences between being somebody who's being recruited and not being recruited, right? Getting to sit down with uh, the offensive coordinator for Ole Miss, cause I was with my buddy at the time and let, let us never forget that. Ed Orgeron was the guy who recruited Matt Leiner when he was at USC. So that's a real powerful thing for a 17-year-old when you're uh, just got done at camp. You're at you know you're at this big-time school and you're touring the facilities. And you're sitting one-on-one, down one-on-one in the war room, or effectively one-on-one in the war room with the coach, saying all that. I think that that is very, very. Uh, you know that that's powerful stuff now these coaches have a lot of time or they pardon me they don't have much time at all to uh, spend on recruiting players I remember when I coached at uh, Southeastern University right I was when I turned on highlight tapes I mean if I if if the first three plays didn't wow me from a highlight tape I was moving on to the next one Uh, you know as a when I was talking to student-athletes you could tell real quick you know if this was going to be a thing or not so um it, it's you, you gotta you kind of gotta it, it's a push pull you gotta be able to be a, a good judge of character real quick um you gotta be able to take a lot of variables real quick um especially in this day and age where quarterbacks can can play you know high school quarterback could mean a safety in college or a receiver in college and things like that so uh recruiting is uh really it's really hard to do and it's so important, and that's why you, if you're not a head coach, a lot of times you do hear about the, quote, great recruiters of college football.
0: I think um, as it comes into... Here we go. Oh, almost another pick, but a good swab by Luke Keekly for the Panthers. Um, Connor, I think you're selling, you're hitting it 100%, and thank you for the perspective on what it was like to go through that recruiting stuff, and what it's like to recruit. I think something we don't talk about now is that the state of... And maybe this has been the same forever, but something we don't think about as fans is you have to think about the college experience for the player. So I want to call out and look at, um, I want to call out about a couple schools. So you're going to have your players that want to make it to the NFL and want to do and be big things. So they're going to hit up what programs right now? Easy. You want to go somewhere where you're seeing on national TV, you get playing time, win championships. You need to go to Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, maybe, maybe like an LSU if you're a recent recruit. But outside of that, where are you gonna go? Because if you go somewhere kind of mediocre, you're not gonna make it. Um, I wanna talk about some schools that I think it also comes into. We don't think about student life, right? What's it like to go to that school? So here's one team I'm gonna name two schools, and I don't know if you know their records, but there's two schools in two very distinctive locations. The Coastal Carolina Chanticleers and the Kansas Jayhawks. Do you know Coastal Carolina and Kansas' records, Connor?
1: Coastal Carolina has won all of their games, if I'm not mistaken. And the yep. Jayhawks haven't won any games, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Exactly. And even though Les Miles is in Kansas, if you have to think about, if you're 17, 18 years old, would you rather be hanging out on the outskirts of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, if you're a mid-tier recruit who's not going to get on to Clemson, or would you rather go and pick up and try to play for a big school and move to Kansas? So what would you rather do, Connor?
1: Well, you know, let, let's not totally throw the Jayhawks under the bus. You are 45 right. minutes away from Kansas City. Right. Uh, but, you know, it, there's there are so many things within consideration, right? Uh, programs programs like Kansas that are, well, really, you know, programs like Coastal Carolina that are closer to Kansas than Coastal Carolina being closer to Clemson uh, in terms of quality, and, and, I, and I put that order in there on purpose, uh, you know, they're going to have a lot of guys who are, are kind of snubbed, right? So I think that that's important to consider, important, important to be in consideration. Uh, you know, for a 17-year-old who spends a lot of college in you know uh, a lot of the times during the winter months when it's cold if you're you're going just based off the weather i'm going myrtle beach but uh you know the the recruiting fertile grounds there as well i think also bode well for coastal carolina uh within that so any, any thoughts just in terms of location for you rutledge
0: um if i was me and i was playing football i would you know, unless I was a die-hard person who loved the Jayhawks or grew up in the Midwest and loved that environment, if I was recruited by those two schools, I would play the smaller school and go to Coastal Carolina. Um, I know that I can say from a smaller school of uh, Georgia Southern in the Sunbelt Conference, if there's one thing that key interception on the two-point conversion. Um, if go there's one
1: for your small school,
0: if there's one thing for a small school, I know at Georgia Southern we talk about tradition and winning a lot. Whereas we don't talk about the other parts of the experience when we recruit our um, our recruits and we try to pitch the small man is valuable. So I would definitely take the Coastal Carolina. Conway, South Carolina, where it is, is actually a pretty cool area. You're not too far. Yes, you're close to Kansas City, but um, playing football at a basketball school, kind of like going to a Duke if you play football, you're going, in my opinion, for you know possibly the long term unless you're someone who just didn't get picked up by a large school but that's sort yeah. of that's that's recruiting and I think that's all we kind of have to say about that and we're going to actually segue into another sport because um, as we like to say in Orlando a miracle happened what happened Connor a miracle Orlando has happened
1: City is playing in the MLS playoffs
0: Oh, how does it feel to say that out loud
1: I still can't believe it, Rutledge. I was at their first MLS game when we filled the bowl. I was at their uh, – I've been to many other games. I've, I went to not just fill the bowl number one. I, you and I sat together at fill the bowl number two. Yep. We've laughed. We've cried. We've we've thrown things at projectors. We've thrown projectiles at people.
0: Uh, we've thrown ourselves uh, at each other.
1: We've thrown ourselves at each other, and Orlando City is – Playing playoff soccer. How do you feel about that,
0: Redledge? Oh, I am, I am all in. As we hit the two, as we hit a timeout, Are you calling timeout? I am calling timeout here. Oh, preserving some game clock. Okay. Um. We're all in. We're all excited. I can't wait. I know that at the start of this season we were kind of on the fence. Um. I want to tell the story as we close my very first Orlando City game. So. This is in the opening beginnings of Connor and mine's friendship. And Connor calls me up and says, hey, Relage, I have this extra ticket to this soccer game. It's free. Do you want to go? And once again, the slant proves that it always works. So, Connor and I go to the Citrus Bowl. We walk into the stadium. We drive up on the 408. You see all the banners across the Citrus Bowl. And we kind of finagle our way into the supporter section. And I'm standing there. And I'm sure and a guy looks at me and I asked him, I said, Hey, is this like Lion whatever or is this like ruck a lot of noise? He goes, You mean Iron Lion firm or ruckus? Like Yeah. He goes, Well, this is this is Iron Lion and we've been here since the beginning. So who are you? He's like I'm here for my first game. You're here for your first game? Oh my God, bro, welcome. Are you having a good time? Vamos, Orlando. So glad you're here. And then, of course, that game ended in 0-0. I don't even remember who we played, but there was something about that camaraderie and the excitement of the sport and being there that I've become a fan for life. And even though Georgia gained a soccer team, I bleed purple and white here in the Sunshine State. So Connor, you really made an influence.
1: Ah, uh, wonderful. So glad to hear. And, you know, you and I, Rutledge, both at, at the beginning of this season, we didn't have too high hopes here as we close out uh, about uh, Orlando City. You know, I, I, I do think if I, if I were to make the bona fide soccer take right here, I do think that Orlando City has the opportunity uh, for a decently deep playoff run. Uh, by decently deep, I mean beat New York City, uh, you know, depending on who they play next. Uh, you know maybe win two games but you know you've got you've got a team that has already played in the championship game of one tournament this year and and uh, you know MLS is back you've got Nani who's played in Champions League finals Uh, but not only that you've got a lot of really quality role players that I think that we just didn't know enough about to really appreciate them Uh, midfielder Junior Urso is going to be really critical uh, to to Orlando City success, uh, obviously Michelle Pereira, uh, but you know the thing. What's been interesting about Orlando City is for so long it was always you know the offense is going to be able to score some goals. What is the defense going to be able to do? And now now this team has really nice balance. This team can this team can win a four three game. This team can eke out one zero in extra time. So I do think that. Although not a favorite, I definitely think that Orlando City is going to be very, very dangerous going into the playoffs. And, you know, uh, one win is definitely not uh, a stretch in any in any in any sense. So Vamos Orlando. Can't wait to give more soccer takes here as Friendstream Sports continues
0: as we go. As we close our show, I do want to say that in our previous topic of recruits, um, our viewer Stever said that if he was a recruit, he'd personally not be taking a single season to heart and saying that Coastal Carolina is hot, but uh, not telling how long that's going to last, but he would definitely consider the academic aspect, which is getting the degree holds more weight. So, I think that takes that Steven would go to Kansas. You know, degrees are something, because not everyone can go pro. I think there's an Enterprise commercial about that.
1: Kansas does have a good architecture program, if I'm not mistaken.
0: There you go. So move to the, mid, move to the Midwest and get architecture. Well, as we close out, Connor, uh, thank you for helping the Carolina Panthers score 28 points this evening. Uh, I went negative one for rushing yards, but I had five takeaways, so we'll settle on that. How do you, how do you feel as, well, I don't know how you should feel right now.
1: <sighs> Matt Ryan is going to have a great completion percentage, but yes, through five picks. I feel like we should move on to picks. Speaking of picks, let's talk picks.
0: All right, so our first pick is we're going to continue following the very hot Indiana Hoosiers as they are playing uh, the Michigan State Spartans. And Indiana's a a 7.5 favorite. Uh, Connor, I'm going to take Indiana because I'm just riding the lightning here. Who are you taking?
1: You know, Michigan State just got blown out by a very average Iowa team. Indiana just smoked a pretty average Michigan team. Although Michigan's quarterback did play at Olympia High School, shout out Orlando, Indiana Hoosiers by three touchdowns.
0: Okay. Well, that three touchdowns, that's huge. Oh, yeah. I think after this week, if they do that three touchdowns, people are going to take Indiana finally serious in the football realm. Um, we have
1: more serious than they were.
0: At least more serious than they were. We have here, we're going with a big game in the NFC. We have the Seattle Seahawks, who are starting to worry me, versus the Los Angeles Rams. And the Rams are a one point favorite. Um, Connor, who are you taking in this?
1: You know, uh, the Rams need this game more than Seattle. Um, But the Seattle Seahawks' pride is pretty hurt after what they did to Buffalo. I think it's going to be a ton of points. I think it's going to be a ton of fun, and I think that the Seahawks are going to win.
0: I am going to hope that the only thing that's good at Los Angeles is that Aaron Donald has 99 times that he does not get into the backfield over this game and does not make a huge impact. Russell Wilson looks a little sort of shaken. Um, Hopefully the run game bounces back, but I take Seattle. I think the one-point line is just um, people are taking too much out of Seattle in this Buffalo loss. Our last game here is two rookie quarterbacks hit the gridiron in Florida, and we have Justin Herbert versus Tua Tagovailoa as the Chargers come down to Miami and play the Dolphins. Connor, close us out. Who's your final pick?
1: Clash of the rookie QBs. As I've said pretty consistently, the Dolphins play hard and just never seem to quit. I'm going Miami to win and cover.
0: I am also going to go Miami to win and cover. I think the coaching staff is really sort of, and tour, sort of just a match made, and coaches make quarterbacks. The coach is the CEO of the operation. So, overall, um, I, I see Miami having that getting there. Also, um, thank you, Steven. Stephen Steve reminded us that uh, Matt Breida, Breida the Cheetah, from Georgia Southern, go Eagles, is a Miami Dolphin. So, uh, Miami Dolphins number one. You still haven't listened to that Miami Dolphins fight song, have you, Connor?
1: You know, not yet.
0: Oh I think it's, it's out there for you. I don't know if it's on iTunes, but it's just it's too good. So our viewers take what our viewer picks, our viewers pick Indiana, Seattle and Miami. And remember for all those listening to us or anywheres, it is Tuesday. We started at eight o'clock. If you come out and interact with us live, um, we want to see you. we want to hear from what you have to say. So come join us live on Twitch every Tuesday at 8 pm. Eastern. Connor, what do you want to say to the people before we sign off tonight? Thank you oh that's that's very touching Connor that, that's
1: yes hey let's go uh, let's let, let's keep it going. Let's finish out this year strong get yep. Thanksgiving a lot of, a lot of good sports. vamos Orlando
0: vamos Orlando in the playoffs. thank you for coming out. My name's Redge.
1: My name's Connor
0: and we're Friendstream Sports. Have a good night.